Hi everyone, welcome back to Daily Manna, where we're learning to feed upon the Word of God chapter by chapter. This is Curtis, and we come to Acts chapter 27. As I was reading through this chapter, I was impressed by the narration of Luke, who is the writer of this book, and how he does not stress doctrine, but what he stresses is the testimony of the Lord's witnesses. We see this in Peter and John's experience at the beginning of Acts with Stephen as he's testifying just before he's stoned and martyred. Even Philip when he preaches the gospel and baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. And especially Paul as we see him pass through all these experiences on his journeys. That really we see a living testimony of the Lord's witness. So in reading the beginning of Paul's last journey, I'm just impressed that what we see is not just a detailed description of a story of a storm at sea, but really it's a description of the life of one of Christ's living witnesses. And I really believe that we can say this because there's a demonstration both of God's sovereignty in preserving the life not only of Paul, but of all the souls on the ship all 276 as are mentioned and there's a demonstration of paul living a life of christ as a living witness but even more so we may say living in a position of ascendancy not just something earthly or very good but as paul writes in ephesians that his position he's seated with christ even his walk is with christ and his standing is in christ Really, we can see not a speaking of doctrine, but really a living out of what Paul speaks of in many of his other epistles. Even in Philippians, in chapter 1, verse 20, how he says, According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I will be put to shame, but with all boldness, as always, even now, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether through life or through death. It was considered a shame to Paul if someone didn't find him in Christ. But not only that, that they wouldn't find Christ being made large in Paul's living, magnified in his living. When reading this chapter, I think sometimes I forget that Paul's a prisoner here. But the way that he speaks to the centurion, the way that he speaks to the sailors and the soldiers, he speaks boldly because he has a realization that the Lord will care for him and will care for all the others that are on this ship because this is part of God's will, God's plan. The Lord had encouraged Paul earlier in Acts chapter 23 that he would go and he would minister in Rome. And this was Paul's desire. Really, Paul's desire came out of the Lord's desire to speak to all men in all places and especially one day to speak in Rome. Because Paul was living a life of Christ, he was seeking the Lord's will. Even as a prisoner, there was a boldness in his speaking in the situation. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 10, Paul advises the centurion, maybe some of the other ones taking the lead, that on this voyage I perceive much damage and loss, not only of cargo but of lives, but they did not heed his speaking. Well, after they began to panic, a number of verses later, a period of time had passed, and they're tossing cargo overboard as they're 
experiencing a violent storm that's going on around them and even neither sun nor stars had appeared for many days, meaning the storm was just going on continual. They couldn't see anything else that was going on. So they're panicking, throwing everything overboard. And Paul takes the opportunity. And what does he say? I advise you to cheer up. There will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. Wow. Cheer up. I don't think I could say that. But the reason Paul could say this is because this is what he was enjoying. He trusted in God's word and God's will. And this is what comforted him, kept him at rest, even in a state of peace, while the whole outward situation was crazy. And he goes on, don't fear. And then he advises them again, cheer up, men. And even says that the ship must run aground. I'm not sure what everyone's response was to all of Paul's speaking. But then he takes the opportunity again. After a number of days have passed, even many are fearing that they would run aground. And when some are seeking to flee from the ship, even to escape in a small boat, intending to lay out the anchors, Paul speaks again. Unless these men remain in the ship, you cannot be saved. Simple word. What happens? They cut away the ropes of the small boat. They let it fall away. And then he encourages them to take some food. Wow. You have continued watching without food, taking nothing. I encourage you, take some food, for this is for your salvation. Paul is not just being an eloquent speaker, but what he's doing is he's ministering Christ that he has been eating, enjoying, sustained by, before and throughout this whole journey, really, Paul is reigning in life. These 275 other souls on the ship with Paul, really, in a way, he's looking over them. Yes, Paul was probably in the lowest position as a prisoner, but he was also a prisoner of the Lord and one under the Lord's authority. And so he could speak to them. And so when all of them ate, taking Paul's word, they ate, they were cheered. They were satisfied. And ultimately, this became their salvation. They began to heed Paul's speaking. Maybe some recognized, wow, this is a man of God. And the reason Paul was able to do all this is not because he decided to all of a sudden, but this was his living. He lived by eating the word of God daily, by fellowshipping with the Lord daily. We today have the same Christ, have the same life living in us. Not that we would look to imitate outwardly what Paul did, but to know that as we enjoy Christ daily in the little moments, this enables us in the violent storm-tossed sea kind of moments where not only are we sustained and nourished and encouraged to go on in the Lord, but also our speaking. Our living will sustain and encourage others. Thank you for tuning in today and continue to enjoy the Bible.